0: This episode of Software Social is sponsored by Orbit. Orbit is mission control for your community. Grow and measure your community across any platform with Orbit. Find out more at orbit.love. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Software Social Podcast. I'm your host today, Colleen Schnettler. Today, I'm very excited to host a special guest, Derek Reimer. Derek is a serial maker and has successfully built many products. He's now building SavvyCal, Hey, Derek, thanks so much for being here. I'm really happy to have you on today.
1: Thanks for having me. Yeah, I've been a fan of your guys' podcast since it came out and have enjoyed following along with your your respective journeys, and especially as you've been getting um, Simple File upload off the ground. It's pretty exciting stuff.
0: So in a little bit of a change of the traditional podcast guest format, I actually invited you here because I want to talk about me and my product (laughs) instead of your product. Um, you know, I would really like to talk to you because you are a technical founder and I feel like you've done this 5 times now?
1: Something like that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Something like that. Quite a yeah. few companies. So, I just kind of wanted to get your opinion on um like my product and my growth trajectory and if this thing is going to work and I have so many questions, like when to bail. Like,
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's good. I'm happy to dive into this stuff. I love kind of st- strategizing and and um, you know talking shop with with other folks. So yeah, happy to happy to dive in on some of those questions.
0: Awesome. So one of the things when I started Simple File Upload is I kind of made a lot of the mistakes I think traditional or first time founders make in that I just built something I wanted to build. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to ship a product, right? Like my first goal was literally make something that people could buy. And so that was like a really exciting time, just learning how to create a piece of software I could sell to more than one person.
1: Mm-hmm. I think I remember when you were kind of just getting started on this and, and kind of talking about it. And, you know, Michelle would grill you a little bit on like, well, have you talked to customers? But if I recall, like you do have like some this intuition for the need for this came out of your own experience a bit, right? Which is like, yes, that can be a dangerous place to start. But it's also, I feel like, one of the more, um, uh, like, it kind of sets you off on a good foot in one sense if you have a really good understanding of kind of the, the problem. Like, you felt the problem deeply yourself. And so I feel like you were starting, maybe you didn't do all the customer interviews right out of the gate, but, like, you sort of had this intuitive sense, like as a, as a consultant and you've built this stuff many times before that, like, oh, this is kind of, I'm spending repeated effort on this problem and I'm seeing other people doing that too. Does that, does that kind of characterize like how the Genesis of it came about?
0: Yes, okay. definitely. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's really why I built it. And, um, there's a lot of excitement in the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. Just like getting your first product to market. Mm-hmm. And I think I made a really good choice to put it in the Heroku Marketplace. Mm -hmm. And it seems to be meeting a need. I think I kind of accidentally, on purpose, found a hole, right? Because Heroku has the ephemeral file storage. So this is a problem literally everyone who uses Heroku has. Right. I don't really know, though. I mean, it's just fancy file storage. I don't really know if it's a product that can even... Replace my job. Like, I, I don't know if the. I, how do I like even determine if it can get there?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I think um, so. Part of that is so you're, you're kind of speaking to like market size, like how many, you know, how many dollars are flowing through this industry of people wanting to to solve this problem. And I did a, I did a little bit of like just scoping around before coming on here because I wanted to do do a little bit of my homework. And it seems like there are quite a few like. Companies that there are kind of big name players like Cloudinary, right, that have sort of been around a while. People use them for image storage, like image manipulation or like optimization, right? Um, But also like in looking at kind of their their um, marketing, it seems like they've they've gone a little bit upmarket. Like they they seem a little enterprisey to me um, from from the looks of them. You know, like it's I look at it as an as an independent. Software builder, and I don't know if I'm perfectly in the target market for your product. But like when I look at Cloudinary, to me it's like, ugh, this looks a little long in the tooth. Like they, like it's not something I would want to jump into putting into my stack because it looks a little bit too, um, a little bit too enterprisey, and like, like I, I would want a fresher take on that. But it seems like, it seems like there is, there's a pretty decent sized market for you know file storage, image storage, image manipulation. CDN, like putting things on CDNs and like making that whole side of things, um, smoother. So I guess like my, my initial take is like, I think there is something here. Now the question is, which we can kind of talk through more, like, is there, is it something you're interested in, like really going after, you know, and like, and, um, yeah, but I, I think there is, I think there is something there.
0: So what do you mean? Is it something I'm interested in really going after?
1: I guess like it's going to take, I think you're at that point right now where like you've got some initial traction, you're in the Heroku marketplace and actually it's, it's really cool. I looked, I just searched upload in the marketplace and you're like ranked number one or number two, which is pretty amazing, right? That's a a really good, that's a really good spot to be in. I was, I I was shocked that there was not more options there. Um, Right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Me too.
1: And honestly, this is this is a problem that I have. Every time I build a SaaS app, I kind of go through this um, this phase of like uh, relying on Gravatar only for avatars <laughs> because I don't want to build in the upload part. And right, because it's annoying. Yeah, and then like gradually, I've gone. I've actually pushed more and more towards just being on Heroku. Um, and yeah. like I used to like Drip was on. Um, aws and we just had like custom instances so we already had s3 there and it was sort of part of our tool chain already but um this time around like i don't i've been trying to stick to like a pure heroku stack keep things really simple and it was definitely an awkward place when i needed to add this like the ability for people to upload their own avatar and like okay so now i have to go like create an aws account like i ideally didn't want to do that um So I don't know. Yeah. All that to say, like, it seems like there's a there's an interesting gap here. Now, it remains to be seen if there's a ton of people, you know, like me and like you who who are like not wanting proactively, like not wanting to spin up a raw AWS account and start like getting in there and, and manipulating buckets and doing all that kind of stuff. But I don't know. I think my intuitive sense is like I think that there's you know, and I mean, the the risk is that like Heroku just steps in and solves this problem at some point, but I mean, they haven't, they've been around a long time and they still haven't done that. So I think, um, I think there's a, I think there's an opportunity, but I guess back to the original question, like, what do I mean by, do you want to like really go deeper on this? I think it's like, it's going to, it's going to probably take figuring out, um, some like or experimenting with some some repeatable like marketing channels, some traction channels. And it's gonna require a bit of investment and experimentation. And and so it's gonna take time, potentially money. You can pull those different levers, you know, depending on on which one you have more of to play with, you know. Um right. but I think that's that's kind of the point that a lot of a lot of like first time founders, technical founders get to, where it's like you're really good at the, you know building the, the product. And so now it's like applying energy towards the marketing side and really trying to like suss out what's going to work on that end. Because I think your product is, is probably well poised to, to solve a real need. And it already is solving a need for tens of customers, hundreds of customers. I don't know how many. 30, 30 ish. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, You know, (laughs) Um, and the thing about trying to learn marketing as a developer, it's like, I feel like I'm just throwing darts at a board. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just (laughs) like, maybe this will work. Maybe this will work. I have no idea what I'm doing, um, which I guess is part of the process.
1: Right. 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 I mean, that is, yeah, that is kind of what marketing is about. It's, it's a, um, there's lots of channels, so I don't know if you're familiar with the Traction book. I always bring this one up to to founders. Have Mm-mm. you? Have you? Okay. Is so it called it's by, Traction? It's called Traction. It's by Gabriel okay. Weinberg and Justin Maris. It's been around a while. I think they've maybe revised it once or twice, but I have a like a I have an older copy sitting here. But it's basically like
0: <laughs> it's literally on your desk. <laughs> yeah, it's right here.
1: <laughs> it. <laughs> See there? Nice. Um, and because I this is one that I will just periodically revisit. Um, and so, because they, they start out with, like, sort of running through this framework. They call it the Bullseye Framework. And it's sort of like, it's just a little a little um, exercise you can go through to sort of brainstorm each traction channel that they list in here. And there's 19 different channels. Virality, PR, unconventional PR, search engine ads, social and display ads, SEO, content marketing, da 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 um, I won't list them all. But, like... So they they sort of start out the book with like, here's a brief description of each one. Here's a framework for going through and brainstorming, you know, which ones do I think might work well for my product? Yeah. And, then, and then the rest of the book is sort of like t- going deeper on each one and how to think about like devising an experiment. So, because like, I think I, I've done a little bit of, I just did a little bit of brainstorming ahead of this recording. And, you know, one idea I had was like, I feel like, there isn't like an SEO opportunity here. If people are if people are really like me and like you trying to like not go full in on like a manual setup with an S3 bucket for doing this. Um there might be some there might be some some keywords that people are searching for typically like file uploads on Heroku or something like that. And you know, there's tooling you can use like hrefs or um SEOmoz and a couple other ones that can give you some data on keywords like that, and so you can sort of, you know, you can you can just do some research, some brainstorming, maybe make a spreadsheet, and then um, and then kind of follow some of the advice in in a book like this to kind of devise like what's the minimal experiment I could do, produce maybe a couple pieces of content, and then see how see how that works without just saying like. Yep. This is definitely what's going to work because you don't really know what's going to work until you actually experiment with it. Right.
0: So I think I have a psychological block here and I think my psychological block is I feel, I feel like it's, my product is maybe not that great because Hmm. there's so much it doesn't do. I mean, it does what it says it does and it does it really well. Right. Mm -hmm. But like, I, and I don't know if that's just like the developer in me or like, no one has asked for these features, but like there's certain features that it doesn't have. And it kind of like makes me more on a little bit uncomfortable, almost trying to market Mm -hmm. it, Mm -hmm. um, when I can't offer those features. Is that weird?
1: That's a very common, I mean, that I've experienced that with every single product I've had (laughs) talking to other founders. Like, (laughs) yes. I mean, I think there's, I think, um, the type of person who is, Likely to go on this journey, I think it's sort of a self-selecting thing, a little bit. Like, there's, I think we tend to have this propensity to um, be be a little bit of a perfectionist about the products we make, and and have a little bit of um, imposter syndrome, to use the buzzword, you know, like feeling like it's not uh, it's not as good as as maybe we're making out to be. I I I know I've fallen into this trap many times of like under marketing or underselling what I've built. and when I've looked at other companies that are maybe founded by like a non-technical like more sales type of person or something, um they tend to they tend to bias towards the opposite side, which is like as soon as there's a little kernel of something built, it's like let's sell, sell, sell. yeah, and that's that's not good either. like you want the product to yeah. to truly match what you're selling. but I think uh, i I'm hearing from you the same bias that I have, which is like, a natural tendency to, to undersell what you have ultimately, yeah. like it doesn't like, if it's solving a problem for people, then it is enough. It is enough, you know? Yeah. And, um, and so you have to be willing to, to push it and to, to market it. And believe me, if it's not, if it's not good enough for certain cases, you'll hear about it. <laughs> <Like Right>? customers, <laughs> are very, <laughs> customers are very, uh, very willing to, <laughs> to tell you when they think your stuff is not good. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that has been like part of my problem is I'm just like, Oh, but I should just, and I know everyone does this, but it's still, it's mm-hmm. hard when it's your thing. Mm-hmm. Like there's some personal, I don't know, you know, wrapped up in that where you're like, Oh, it doesn't do this thing. It do- I literally was on a call with a guy the other day and he was asking me about it a potential customer. And like, I led with that, Derek, I was Mm -hmm. like, Oh, but it doesn't resize. And Oh, you can't sign it on the server. Like, why did I do that? Right. Right.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Isn't that funny? That's why, I mean, I've found same thing with, um, with customer support. I don't know if you've experienced this at all. Um, when people will write in, they'll ask, they'll ask about something that maybe we don't support right away, but there's like a, there's sort of a workaround that's, in my mind it's like not in my engineering mind it's like this is not a pure good solution it's it's a hack right but like but like you train a support person and because a lot of times i have struggled to like to be the one to tell tell the person how to do the hack instead i'm like nah sorry we can't support that but we're, we're working yeah. on it and um i remember this when we first unleashed like we fully trained our our support rep our first support Rapid drip. And there were all kinds of things that people just needed to do workarounds for. And he would just tell people like, yes, we can totally support this. Here's how you do it. And, he, and, you know, it was a paragraph worth of like, you know, what I would consider to be a little bit of a hack, but really it was just creative problem solving. And the customer was right. nine times out of 10, Find super it. thrilled. And they're like, yeah. great. Thanks so much. This is awesome. So yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. I can see that. I am, okay, so the product has been live for five months. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm at like 1300 MRR, which it's hard to know where that falls in the world of good, bad, mediocre. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's growing, but it's growing slowly. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of feel like I don't know what to do next.
1: It's sort of, um, it's growing right now off of primarily the Heroku marketplace. Is that right?
0: Correct. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know how much more it seems like you're like I had one one checklist on my uh, on my bulleted list here about like to ask you about doing like kind of SEO specifically for the Heroku marketplace, because this is this is sort of a thing like folks who have WordPress plugins, there are things you can do to to specifically like optimize your your plugin listing to increase the chances that someone will find you first. But then I yeah. like, I searched upload and you came right up. So I think you're, I feel like you're uh, <laughs> your SEO on this like specific niche search engine, the Heroku marketplace is actually really, really good. Um, so I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's someone else's platform. I don't off the top of my head, I don't know how much more you could really do, um, on that besides potentially like, you know, working on, on, um, messaging there a little bit, um, which is potentially something you could do. I, I was curious, um, just to hear in your words, like, what do you feel like the primary pain point that you're solving for people is right now? And it was like, is it informed by your, your perception from what you've heard from customers, a combination of both? Have you been surprised that other people have a different pain point than what you expected? I guess, kind of talk me through that a little bit.
0: One of the interesting things here is, so to get on the Heroku Marketplace, you have to make your app free and you have to get a hundred users. And so when I did that, the people who were free would talk to me. Like they, they had all kinds of stuff to say now that I'm selling it. First of all, I can't get anyone to talk to me, which is Mm -hmm. super weird. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But, uh, but so people who were talking to me more, it seemed like it met that need of Storage because if you have to set up AW, I mean you know AWS IAM cores like so mm-hmm. much involved because it's a direct upload. There's mm-hmm. so much involved in setting up direct uploads um, in an application. So the people, I think it it's doing what I intended it intended for it to do, which is it extrapolates away file uploading. Mm -hmm. To the cloud. And I'm even backing it up, which I probably don't even need to do, but but I like doing it. It makes me feel, makes me sleep, helps me sleep better. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I'm actually saving your stuff on two two completely different storage providers. Mm -hmm. And that's such a problem on Heroku because of their file system. I don't think it's as big of a problem outside of Heroku. But one thing I did is I made it expensive. And I made it expensive because I figured, like, I looked at Cloudinary's pricing, and I went, like, 75% below that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one thing I have thought of is to do, like, a cheaper model. Because mm-hmm. then people who just need avatars, like, you're not going to pay 35 bucks a month just for avatar storage. But maybe mm-hmm. you'd pay 12
1: Mm-hmm. I don't know. Y- yeah, I think um, it is pretty interesting. I mean, I I think... Hmm. I would probably pay thirty. What is it? What is your base price? Thirty-five.
0: Thirty-five.
1: Thirty-five. Yeah, I would probably. I don't know if that's too much, honestly. Um, especially so, if,
0: successful people ahead. always tell me that they're like, "It's not too much." <laughs> it yeah, feels like a lot.
1: <laughs> I mean, so, so potentially there's a. Uh, it is interesting to think about kind of the the on ramp that people will have to. To um, like kind of getting started using your product, because I think like for me, I'm running a SaaS application. I'm very I'm very willing to to just throw down thirty five dollars towards something that's a critical piece of of hosting infrastructure. Like that's not a that's not a big deal. But if I were maybe if I were really early on and still like vetting whether my product was actually going to work at all, I might be more hesitant. And this is something interesting is an interesting quality of your product in that like this decision is usually made decently far up front in the cycle of a product right like if someone's building something and and at least uploading an avatar or some kind of some file of some kind from the user is like a key part of their application flow then they have to make this decision pretty early on in the development cycle and like now that i for example now that i have my kind of avatar uploading thing sort of working i say sort of because i'm i'm not do (laughs) because i'm technically channeling the bits through my heroku instance which is not ideal like if if like someone you know if it's a big file and it takes too long time's out it's like not it's not very yeah. uh, bulletproof. This is my for the judgment
0: future. face, Derek. I'm judging yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> no, you, as you <laughs> should.
1: <so> you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, to me, this was like a this was like a quick and dirty. Like, there's plenty of server side libraries that are built to to handle this, and so it was really e- it was quick and easy. But I'll, I also know sure. like it's not, you know, as soon as I let people upload, you know, bigger files, like a like a big banner image, for instance, like this is probably not going to work, and I'll have to revisit like making this even better and perhaps pull your tool off the shelf. But mm-hmm. I think. You know, if people if people don't do what I did and they do it the right way from the get go, the right way, meaning like something that will scale, then they're probably more likely to just to not not pull that out and switch like That's once a good the product point. is established. I didn't right? think
0: about that. Yeah.
1: So, the, so then the question becomes, like, how can you catch people earlier in the process, like at the point where their their project is still nascent? Um, I see you have like a seven day free trial. And yeah. I wonder if, I mean, just here's, here's one idea, you know, is potentially like retooling this to be like a limited usage based trial instead, or like yeah. a, you know, free for development and you like automatic, you automatically delete the files after, you know, 36 hours or something like that so that it That's doesn't... a
0: really good idea. Yeah. Yeah. I love that.
1: It's like a sandbox environment where you can just you can yeah. ship stuff up, and then you're just paying for bandwidth, essentially, which is pretty cheap. And if it becomes it's, a problem, yeah. then you can always rejigger that's, it. You this know, it
0: won't be a problem. Yeah, that's a great idea because then people. Ugh. So the problem, well, yeah, I, I'm going to think about that. I like that idea, um, like a sandbox mode, almost mm-hmm. where everything, like you said, it's deleted every day or something. But then yep. people could try it out and see if it was a good fit.
1: Yep, yep, and then and then potentially some kind i mean yeah so the you could have a cheaper tier i'm still skeptical about this because it's like people just need to <laughs> i just believe people need to pay for critical pieces of their infrastructure like that shouldn't be a problem but again like since you sort of have to you don't want that to become a something that prevents people from adopting your um your tool either so so maybe it makes sense i, I don't know if you've gotten Any feedback from from customers so far when you kind of were making that jump from like the free to the requiring people to pay phase? But like, did you sense a lot of price sensitivity from people directly or is this is it more like in your own kind of
0: it's in my head in your own head? I mean, I have people I have a couple of people paying me two hundred and fifty dollars a month.
1: Yeah yeah
0: like that like blew my mind. I wasn't even gonna make that tier because I was like, who's gonna pay that? People are mm-hmm. paying that
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> so what what kind of customer is paying what what's their use case? who's paying that on that tier? are they I'm individual product ex- owners or are they like a consultant who's doing a lot of projects or what what is the um the nature of their work look like?
0: So I don't really know <laughs>
1: okay oh, <laughs> that geez. would be helpful information um, for
0: sure <laughs> yeah, so i've gonna I've gotta get. I've got, yeah, I don't really know. I'm still trying to set up some customer interviews with those folks uh, mm-hmm. to find out what their use case is.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even like, yeah, is it is it tough to see from their? I mean, if you just kind of look in your database, like how many do they have a bunch of inst- bunch of separate instances connected or like? Do you have any kind of, or is it just, or literally on your end, is it just like you're seeing buckets with files flowing into it, and it's kind of hard to tell what they're actually? Yeah,
0: I just have budget. it set up so what I can see is I can see the their buckets with their files okay. in it, okay, um, which I actually haven't really even looked at, but that mm-hmm. might that might provide interesting information if I did that.
1: Yeah, or at least I, yeah, because, and so there, yeah. Another question I sort of had is like, is I think you've maybe talked about on here a little bit, but remind me, like, are you are you primarily trying to market this towards like consultants who are constantly starting new applications for clients um, as opposed to like individual operators? Yeah, Yeah.
0: that's so that's kind of part of part of where I am right now, too. Right. Like Mm -hmm. I'm trying to figure out who my ideal customer is. Mm -hmm. I thought it was people like me. Um, and I have a couple consultants that I know that are using it and it's cool cause they've signed up their clients, you know, on individual instances. So it's like mm-hmm. one person has given me several, you know, several accounts, Right. but I don't like, I thought that they would be my people, but I only have a couple of them. Every, there's a lot of people who are, um, less experienced developers using it. And they're just trying to build something. Uh, it's not like no code, but like kind of in a low code, but still using Heroku space. Yeah. They're kind of trying to like put pieces together um, to sell a product. So like mm-hmm. I've got like real estate companies and nail salons and and people like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually have more of those people than I have consultants.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So it seems like, because it's setting up AWS is technically challenging. My supposition at this point is that I'm going for people who are who have a store or building a product who don't want to spend the time or don't know how and don't care to spend you know three days learning how. Right. Um, to use or set up AWS.
1: Mm-hmm. Now that makes me think that like. I mean, no code is kind of a large tr- growing trend right now, right? We're hearing yeah. this all the time. Um, platforms like Webflow. I don't know if Webflow, I don't know much about them at all, unfortunately, but I know that they're super popular and lots of people are using them to build things and sort of stitching together services. Um, I don't know if that's, yeah, I, I wonder if your products. I feel like your product is in a, is in a good spot for like, technical people who just want to who don't want to own the the code that is responsible for doing the all the uploading and storage part which I feel like that is a little bit different than people who are like I literally don't write any code um it's a different audience you know you're right Um, it is
0: a different audience and my people are developers as what I've seen like none of the people I have talked to don't write any code like none of them are are pure no codist no yeah. Boost. Anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, they have to have some kind of code knowledge,
1: right? And so, uh, yeah, probably for that reason, I would probably put like, I would, I would maybe put a pin in the like the no code piece. I think it would be hard to, to like market to both audiences at the same time. Like, feels like a, a split yeah. focus a little bit. Um,
0: yeah. No, you're right. And I have a job and a family, so like I don't have tons yeah. of time. You know, it's <laughs> right. so, like right. I, think I get stuff. Right. I get stuff going on. <laughs>
1: How much how much time speaking of time? So like how much time do you feel like you can um you're able to to invest in in this business on like a weekly basis?
0: So that has been a roller coaster of adventure. Mm-hmm. Um but I am trying to I'm working on arranging my schedule so I have one full day a week to do simple file upload. Mm-hmm. Um, which still doesn't feel like a lot of time, but like this last consulting client I had, you know, consulting, did you consult before? What did you do when you started drip? Were you full-time? Were you?
1: Yeah, I, I actually haven't done a ton of consulting myself. I sort of hopped from like trying to start my own things to then, um, uh, working with Rob, my co-founder of drip, like doing some like part-time contractor stuff with him. And then I kind of quickly moved into a full-time with him. So I sort of skipped the consulting phase that a lot of, a lot of us founders go through.
0: But you had a full-time job before that.
1: I actually was, I was like f- fresh out of college and living cheaply and, um, nice. like competed in a startup competition and like won $10,000 one year. And that was like enough for my for to live minimal on for like expenses. Like, <laughs> yeah, basically I was sort of just, yeah, parlaying some savings and stuff like that. So it was sort of a funky little journey. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so you yeah. never had a full-time job?
1: Um, I did and I did, uh, actually tail end of college it was in a completely different industry it was i was working for the small company that was selling landscape products to nurseries so <laughs> it was like <laughs> okay. a, it was a summer job it was like a family friend small business summer job turned into like a i worked at it like full-time tail end of um college when i was thinking about getting an mba and uh it was actually some of the best work experience i had because i mean it's like it's like brick and mortar business like getting on the phone, calling truckers, doing like handling, putting out fires like in real time. It was pretty, it was pretty interesting, but not, not in the tech industry.
0: (laughs) Wow. So you, so that, so you've always been doing this as your career building businesses.
1: Yeah, pretty much. But I start. I mean, when I started out in, when I was fresh out of college and then trying to get stuff off the ground, I was, I was making all these classic mistakes I was like I was kind of a hobbyist developer learning web development started some things never talked to a customer just like built a product and then was like oh I need to actually should think about marketing so yes I definitely like <laughs> like went through school of hard knocks learning those um learning those lessons the hard way until yeah. I like, yeah so it's I don't know a, if there's
0: a different way to learn it right like I don't know yeah. I mean, we all – okay, so, like, I can use this example. This is my first product, and I had a million ideas before this. Mm -hmm. None of them got off the ground. Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't know. Sometimes sometimes it feels like you just have to ship something. Like, for your first product in the early days, like, you just have to build something and ship something and then see what happens and then learn learn this stuff as you go.
1: Well, I also think there's something to be said for, like – especially in that early, those, those those earlier days for me, I was much younger. I had, didn't have as many financial responsibilities. So it was a pretty low risk time for me, you know, but like, so yes, I didn't get a a successful SaaS app out of it, but I, what I did get was like a high degree of proficiency in Ruby on rails and um, learned a lot of like what not to do (laughs) more of the, in the what not to do than what to do camp in terms of like building a business. But that was still like valuable experience that I took with me. And so even when, you know, I've built products that have not actually been commercially viable, like, um, yeah, building things, shipping things is still a valuable exercise um, for right. sure. But I think, I think that's not, I don't think that's where you're at with this one. Honestly, I think this one is, I mean, 1300 MRR, you, you've proven you, it's, this is, a, this is a business now. Because you have customers, they're paying, <laughs> like you, 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 you've you made it at least past that phase of like, oh no, did I build something that no one wants? So I think you're, right. yeah, I'm hearing in your voice that you're not sure if you've built something that like will actually, that you could actually grow. I think you can grow this thing. I do think you can grow this thing.
0: I mean that, and for me, that's kind of like what, that's what I'm really unsure about. Like, mm-hmm. you know, going from zero to 1,000 makes it feel like a real business, but mm-hmm. like 1,000 to 10,000 is a whole different ballgame, mm-hmm. right? Like that's, that's a lot of money. I mean, <laughs> so it, it, yeah. So that's kind of the like, man, can I grow this?
1: Well, the nice, the beautiful thing about SAS though is it does compound, right? So, so you, you yes. have your, you you have a churn rate. We all have a churn rate and, right. but, but they're definitely not churning out like, like even if you stopped getting soft acquiring customers it would still be kind of a slow progression down to zero like these things these right. things that's why it, that's they, a good they, point. they have of this flywheel effect going and so i mean it kind of you know saas fundamentals you figure out where what your traffic channels are going to be Uh, You know, this is an oversimplification, but still like this is fundamentally what it is. Like you figure out what your traffic channels are going to be, and then you work on optimizing your conversion rate top of the funnel to the next phase, uh, all the way down to, you know, trials or whatever, however it's structured, all the way down to becoming a repeat paying customer. And provided you continue doing marketing activities that increase that top of funnel number of people coming to your website and trickling through like Plinko trickling through your funnel, uh, you're going to add customers, you know, each month. And before you know it, you know, you're going to have thousands in MRR, tens of thousands. In MRR. Like that's kind of how these things grow, which is that's why I love SaaS.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Can we go back to something you said earlier uh, sure. that I didn't hone in on, but I want to I revisit real quick. You said you don't think I could market to both the no code space and the Heroku space. So my reading between the, and you're right, like I only have one day a week and I'm still developing. It's an active development, like there's stuff it doesn't mm-hmm. do yet that it needs to mm-hmm. do. Um, and and I read between the lines there, but I just want to verbalize. So I should focus mm-hmm. on the Heroku people, right? Because I own those keywords.
1: Yeah, I think is that so. What you were I I think okay. I, I what I would do is probably try to, um, try to optimize the heck out of that, and try to fi- try to figure out. Now I know your the other bummer is that like you get limited data from Heroku. I don't know. If yeah, there's,
0: that is really frustrating. <sighs> by the way.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know if there's any. Anything creative you could do to figure, like, I would be curious, how much traffic does your add-on page get? Like, do they share any kind of analytics like that?
0: They do. So once a week, um, they, they, oh no, you know what? They allow me to add a Google snippet, Oh, fantastic! uh, Google analytics snippet to the add-ons page. So I do see the traffic I get there. Okay. So I don't see anything else, but like, I do see how Mm -hmm. many visitors I have.
1: Are you comfortable stating on air what the traffic number looks like?
0: So I get, so I do weekly, um, weekly reports for myself for page views. So mm-hmm. last week I got two hundred and seventy-five page views on the Heroku Elements page.
1: Mm-hmm. And well, I
0: mean, I have no concept if that's yeah. a lot, if that's a little. Like, I don't really yeah. know how you even evaluate yeah. something like that. Well,
1: and it is. So it's that's a small number, like in terms yeah. of like website traffic numbers. But yeah. but it is also like. Presumably it's pretty highly targeted. Like these are people who they're searching in there specifically for a solution to this problem. So like probably a view from Heroku is from the Heroku marketplace like that is worth more. It's maybe worth, I don't know, 10 times more than just a random like website visitor view, you know? Um,
0: Yeah. What does it tell you if I'm getting 275 page views a week, but I get on average two new customers a week. What mm -hmm. is that from that page? Is that, what what would you take from that information?
1: Um, So I, to me, that feels like potentially there's an opportunity to, to put some work into um, experimenting with trying to optimize that a little bit. Um, So it it would be like, what's the kind of like stuff you and Michelle talk about, you know, what's the, what's the language that's going to resonate the most with people? Can you, you know, is there, um, uh, I'm just kind of looking at your your add on page here. What does it do? You have some good images here. I like that file upload without maintaining infrastructure. That seems really good for what for the hypothesis that we've discussed here on like what people are really wanting, but I would be curious like um, you know if if like testing a different lead headline would potentially be a better hook. I don't know. um yeah, so I think there's some. I mean it's yeah again it's tricky because you can't really do like a true A/B test the traffic is not traffic is not high enough either where you could do like a true like scientific split test so it's going to be a little bit more of like um, just a, maybe a little bit of experimentation on on, uh, on kind of getting your tightening up positioning and all that kind of stuff um, so I would maybe spend a little bit of time on on playing with that but. Um, but aside from that i'm not sure how much more you really have control over on this specific place so then i would i would probably start thinking about i mean still marketing to the same type of person who would be looking for this in the heroku marketplace but going outside of the heroku marketplace so right um, you know again like i would i would kind of thumb through traction and see if see if anything jumps out as like ooh i i think i, I think that one might work for me but like i do think you know like an, like an example would be like what if you wrote some guides on like specifically targeting like keywords on uploading heroku you know like a guide called how to upload files in heroku and yeah. um and you could even the funny thing you could even like describe how to do it without using your product and it would probably be like It'd be a big old long article with a lot of details in it. <laughs> That's so a great are idea. be able to look at that yeah. and be like, "Oh my gosh, this is so terrible!" And then, like, interspersed throughout, you can be like, "Do you want to skip all this?"
0: <laughs> you can just click this button. That's or a good idea. Or you can just go.
1: Here, you know.
0: Yeah, and and you know, I think as I I as a developer, like someone's content, like, will get me to buy their product. Like mm-hmm. I like the autoscaler I use. I mm-hmm. bought it because he had a, such a great content piece on picking your dinos. I was like, mm-hmm. Oh, this guy knows, knows what's up. Like I'm mm-hmm. going to buy this. Yeah. So, so that's a great idea. I like that. That makes, that makes good sense.
1: Um, have you, this just came top of mind. Like have you talked to anyone at Heroku by the way, like anyone in their sort of partnerships integrations?
0: Team? Uh, yeah. So they re- they require you to talk to them in the beginning, but okay. I don't have to talk to them anymore.
1: Okay, I'm curious if there's an opportunity to um, to potentially get featured somewhere. Like, th- I don't know if they have a blog, a newsletter, kind of like a, a integrations highlight thing. Um, I feel like you know you're you're one of the only people right now who's actually filling this gap um, of like uploads for uh, for their platform. So there might be an opportunity. I, I'm not sure what the name of this role would be. Just like somebody somebody in the market, on the marketing team or the content team or something, um, maybe go start with like your kind of contacts that you initially had at, at Heroku. But like, it seems like, I don't know if you could get a newsletter feature from them, that would be yeah, potentially really high value, um, or yeah. some kind of feature somewhere on their site. I'm not sure all the, all the different, um, ways they have to promote their integrations, but it's, I mean, it serves their their interest too, to like promote this thing that's solving a problem that their customers have. So there might be a like a little co-marketing opportunity there.
0: Yeah. How do you decide how to split your time between your marketing efforts and your development efforts?
1: Yeah, that's a, it's a tough problem because the context switching is, is, um, it's pretty heavy. Like it's very different, very different, uh, disciplines. I, I've experimented with um sort of doing like I don't know about I think everyone has their different like way their brains work. For me it's like I'm I am at my best in the morning and then it's kind of all downhill from there. Throughout I'm the, the same day. way.
0: <laughs> so, I'm the same way. Like I'm a morning morning work person. Yes. Yeah.
1: So I used to I used to do like um kind of slice the day up a little bit and I would spend and so naturally I would spend my mornings on engineering stuff and then kind of give the leftovers to marketing. Um, and I found that was kind of hard to do. Like for me, it didn't work that great. And usually by the end of the day, I was sort of so burned out. Like if I was really good at my job in the morning, that just meant there was almost nothing left at the end of the day. So it was, I struggled to make progress on that. So I've been a fan of, you know, trying to like use the prime time for marketing on specific days. If I'm going to, if I really need to like do a heavy task, like write something or, or do like a lot of, um, creative work on something. Some, some marketing tasks are just like, they're pretty rote and you can just sort of slot them in wherever, but other things, you know, require a lot of creative energy. Right. And yeah. kind of coming up with a, with a plan or whatever. So, um, I don't know. I, yeah, I've, I've kind of liked doing sort of dedicating a day, um, or two to that, but I think it kind of, I don't know. I've never, I haven't come up with something very rigid for myself. Like, like Mondays are always going to be marketing. Um, it's just, there's, there's too many things changing all the time, too many dynamics in an early stage company that I, I haven't found like for myself a rigid kind of cadence to work. But, um, I do feel like trying to look at like in the span of a week, how much did I invest into marketing and kind of have at least a, 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 a gauge in my head on that. You know, if you go a week without investing anything into marketing, but then again, for you, you said one day a week. So maybe it's, you might need to stretch that out and say like, you know, one day on every other week, it's like focus on marketing versus focus on product like that may be what you have to do. And that's perfectly fine. Yeah,
0: I tried to do. So when I was trying, I was trying to do like marketing an hour every day. And like, I do it first thing when I was fresh. But like the context switching, oh my gosh, it was killing mm-hmm. me because like you mm-hmm. get into a task and then, you know, job. So I'd like get into a task and then it was like, oh, but now I have to stop while I'm mid in this task and like do this yeah. other thing. It just, yeah. it wasn't working. So, um, I guess I'll just play around with that. But, um, mm-hmm. I, I like that maybe every other week or something, cause it takes me a while to like get into the marketing mindset,
1: yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, like. The, another area, like I'm, I feel like your product is, is in a place where obviously these products are never done. There's always things to add. We all have roadmaps, but, right. um, maybe I'll push you on this too. Like you might need to just spend like the next couple of weeks, for example, like really just thinking, giving your best mental energy to kind of the marketing piece, like, all right, you're sort of at this place where like, I'm not sure what to do next. And that, that might mean it's the time to, to, you know, set the product work aside for a little bit for a couple of weeks even and kind of work through you know maybe working through this traction book or working through some other frameworks to kind of think about um because yeah it's it's hard to when you're just thinking about like okay well what should i what should i do to grow next but you're only giving yourself like an hour or two it's like that's not enough time to really like (laughs) All right, let's right. just, we need you to like sit, sit back, open up your mind, really just think for hours on this. And it's hard to like, just sit, sit down and like, be like, I'm going to think now for three hours straight. Like that doesn't work obviously, right. but like giving yourself the room to, to sort of, um, Google around a bit and just kind of let your mind to go free a little bit and, and sort of yeah. brainstorm and jot things down on a whiteboard or whatever works for you. Um, and sort of think like marketing does require a, a Fair amount of creativity, like just doing what works for other people blindly doesn't necessarily—it's um, not necessarily the most efficient path. Like sometimes it requires, like, like sitting back and trying to come up with those insights. Like, yeah, maybe a sandbox account or something like that. You know, like um, yeah, and yeah, but you have to give yourself time to to come up with those insights.
0: Yeah, so, a little space. I, I I see exactly what you mean. Like you kind of yeah. need the space in your brain. Yeah. And so I do have one more question for you. Um, So you've sold a few companies. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: How have you made the decision? And I know there's going to be a lot of like personal goals and et cetera, et cetera, but like generally speaking, how do you identify when the right time to sell is for you and for the business, things like that?
1: Right. (laughs) Yeah. So I've just talked through the, the things that I have sold. Like so I, I started a product called Code Tree that I did kind of in tandem when I was um, working at Drip and gradually like my role at Drip sort of increased to the point where like I became like I was fully invested, fully in on this on this journey. So like what started out as a side project that was like maybe this will be my next my full time job at some point and I'll kind of move on from Drips so, like that. The dynamics of that relationship changed. I got more serious with my commitment to Drip. So then I had like this product that was on the side that I wasn't really. That I didn't feel like I could really invest the time into and I didn't have the motivation to like to work basically two jobs and like do the nights and weekends thing. Like I was just like, no, nope, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. And right. so it was sort of just sitting on the side and I determined like I think I think someone could grow this. I think this is still worth something. And since it was still growing a little bit, it hadn't like started to like really contract and 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 shrink. <laughs> I was like, this is probably an optimal time for me to get it off my plate. Um, right. Okay. So that was one. Drip was uh, obviously a much different s- situation. It was a fully scaled up application. So it was a strategic acquisition. And um, so that's sort of in a different in a different bucket, I feel like. Um,
0: yeah, I think so.
1: Um, a product that I started kind of before SavvyCal was... Um, called static kit. And it was like a tool tool toolkit of, of products for static site builders. And I just never really, never really got good traction with that. And so that one was like, okay, I, I was sort of out of ideas and motivation on how to grow it. And I was ready to move on to something else. And so I, I ended up selling that one because it's like, well, if, if, I happen to have a competitor, and I felt like they were kind of moving in that similar direction, and maybe it would be worth something to them to like have a little a little jump start on some some of the some of the code that I wrote. So that worked yeah. out. So it's sort of been like, yeah, the times I've sold things, it's like it's either not a good fit with my with my goals and my life anymore. Um, yeah, or I feel like it's it's better to to capture harvest the value now and like cash out now <laughs> as opposed yeah. to like continuing to try to try to move it forward. Um,
0: I don't know if this was your intention, but like I'm feeling super pumped right now. Like good. this feels like part advice <laughs> podcast, part like pep talk.
1: Yeah, but good. like
0: the fact that that, you know, I, I just think some of the things we talked about, uh, like seeing a path forward, is is really great because i have Mm -hmm. found through this whole journey if you will a lot of it just seems to be like managing my own psychology Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. like can i
0: do this is this gonna (laughs) work like am i an epic failure (laughs) like there's just so much of this like like cyclical like oh my gosh i'm brilliant i came up with the most you know, amazing thing ever to be like, no one wants this. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, I've really, I've really found that to be interesting, very different from like working a traditional job is like, there's a lot of like personal, you know, uh, you know, personal stuff wrapped up yep. in starting a business.
1: Yep. Yeah. No, totally. I mean, that's, it's kind of the whole name of the game, honestly. <laughs> it's, and I don't have any great answers on how to manage that. Cause it's, I mean, I feel like probably every founder is kind of in the same in the same boat on this one. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's a tough one to solve. But, um, having these kinds of conversations is good. I think, you know, like being, getting, getting outside perspectives and, um, talking stuff through doing your weekly podcast that's all hopefully helpful <laughs> in that and staying sane.
0: That's amazing. Thank you so much, Derek, for coming in today. I had a wonderful time talking to you. Obviously, we ran a little bit long, but like this conversation was super valuable for me. Um, So I really appreciate it.
1: You're welcome. I I love talking through this stuff. So happy to to do it.
0: So that's going to wrap up this week's episode of the Software Social Podcast. You can check out Derek's product, Savvy Cow, and please let us know what you think. We love it. If you enjoyed the show, if you would leave us an iTunes review. Huge thanks to all of our listeners who've become software socialites and support our show. Chris from Chipper CI, the daringly handsome Kevin Griffin, and Mike from Gently Used Domains who has a nice personality. Dave from ReCut, Max of Online or Not, Stefan from Talk to Stefan, Brendan Andrade of Bright Bits, Team Tuple, Alex Hillman from the Tiny MBA, Rami from Hovercode and Rocket Gems, Jane and Benedict from UserList, Kendall Morgan. Ruben Gomez of Signwell, Corey Haynes of Swipewell, Mike Wade of Crowd Sentry, Nate Ritter of RoomSteals, Anna Mast of Subscribe Sense, Jeff Roberts from Outsetta, Justin Jackson, Mega Maker, Jack Ellis and Paul Jarvis from Fathom Analytics, Matthew from Appointment Reminder, Andrew Culver at Bullet Train, John Coster, Alex of Corso Systems, Richard from Stunning, Josh the Annoyingly Pragmatic Founder, Ben from ConsentKit, John from Credo and Editor Ninja, Cam Sloan, Michael Copper of Nucy Proposals, Chris from URL Box, Callie of Toslet, Greg Park from Trait Lab, Adam from Rails Autoscale, Lana and Alex from Recapsi, Joe Mazzalotti of RailsDevs.com, Proud Mama from Applenet LLC, Anna from Cradle, Monsef from Ruby on Mac, Steve of Be Inclusive, Simon Bennett of Snapshooter Backups, Josh Smith of Keyhero.io, Jesper Christensen of Form Backend. Matthew of Works Cited, Chris of JetBoost.io, Daryl Shannon of Docomatic, Larabels, a community for Larabelle developers underrepresented due to their gender, Brendan from Feederloop, Pascal from Sharpen.page, Lynn Romick from Conbini, Arvid Kahl, James Sowers from Castaway.fm, Jessica Malnick, Damian Moore of Audio Audit Podcast Checker, Eldon from Nodal Studios, Mitchell Davis from RecruitKit.